Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, this is what you were telling me about. They've got a whole a whole pig. Is that what you were saying? There's an entire pig. Yeah. Tail tail sticking out one end. Look at your on crude. Here's the other end. There's a restaurant near St John's called which whose slogan is nose to tail eating. Yeah, they believe it awful. Yeah. You wouldn't like it though. But you know. We went there once, uh, art director of Word magazine, uh, Keith Drummond, yeah. what was it, Brain or something? Brain, I think he had... I don't it. think he couldn't understand what it was on the menu. He lungs. Oh, I love it, I love a bit of lungs. A pair of lungs. Yeah, actually, it's a pair of lungs, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you got any ketchup? He's already arrived, you know. No, it wasn't. It wasn't very good. Yeah. There was funny, I was, I was talking to Fraser, who I was trying to persuade to take part in this podcast, but he's mm. too shy. And Fraser, who we know is doing the A to Z of mystery food yes. and so forth for The yeah. Observer... And this I, being Fraser, our digital editor. Absolutely. Yeah. And I came back from lunch to find that somebody had left a chocolate on my desk. Because people do this, don't they? People like Rob do. He goes and buys milky bars and distributes around yeah, the yeah. office. And I said to Fraser, it's, it's very, very nice. That. And Fraser said, yeah, you tell it's not me, it would have been awful. <laughs> so you leave a piece of awful yeah. on people's desks. Yeah, pig's ear. He's yeah. writing an A to Z of uh, he's eating, meat. He's eating his way through the Do you know where he got to yesterday? Where? See, crocodile. Yeah. Yeah, I've said, had crocodile. Yeah. I was wanting him to go cat in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, no, I've had alligator in New Orleans, but I've, I've had crocodile somewhere else. Where have I had crocodile? Uh, Old Kent Road. And guess <laughs> what? It tastes like chicken. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So disappointing. Now this podcast will have begun um, with a slight departure from the normal scheme of things, which it, it will have been introduced by the, the previously name. unheard sound of Mark Ellen essaying oh. the theme tune. On his ukulele. Excellent. Oh, yeah. So tell us about this, Mark. Well, ukulele is my new... Um, I'm quite evangelical about it, Dave. I've had a ukulele conversion. I believe uh, that the uke is back. Mm. And I, th- I believe it's on the rise. In fact, there was an article in the paper the other day by John Harris. Was it in The Guardian or something? Which implied that it was becoming something of an epidemic. Yeah. And the uke is spreading. So I found myself in Denmark Street the other way, on, on, on the way to a book launch. And uh, I 
I suddenly, there was a whole wall of ukuleles. They were winking at me, Dave. Imagine that. <laughs> they were, they were whistling, they were playing, you'll have to catch me first. You know, so <laughs> I found myself going in there buying a uke, and I have been beavering away at the weekend. Mm. So, anyway, for once only, it's the theme tune of this podcast. Yeah, one off. So, uh, a, qu- a question for Rob Fitzpatrick and Matt Hall. Can you spell, gentlemen, ukulele? Because Mark Allen can't, let me tell you. That's why is, it, is that why he refers to it by only the first three letters? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, Matt, Matt over to right. you. Can you spell ukulele? Uh, U-K-E. Keep going. <laughs> L-E-K-E. Right, you're wrong. Okay, uh, Rob, can you spell ukulele? U-K-E-L-E-L-E. I'm afraid you're wrong also. Oh. As was Mark wrong. It is spelled U-K-U-L-E-L-E. Ukulele. Oh, and because we're correct. all we're all misled, aren't we, by the fact that the abbreviation is uke. Yeah. Therefore, we sort of think there's an e there as the third letter, and there's not. I'm very long I was. Anyway, it's uh, they're, they're charming. I hope instrument. people enjoyed it. Yes, and I'm sure it was, of course, Alice's restaurant. Our signature. <laughs> and they'll all be uh, they'll all be getting in touch to ask you to come around and do uh, <laughs> and do Bar actual mitzvahs. concerts at their houses. Yeah. So, um, this just in, Jonathan Ross to get £100,000 to host the BAFTAs. Very fair. I think it's completely completely right. Completely right. He should get lots and lots more money to do... You mean on top of the how much? He's already paid to do it. How much did he get already? 18 million. I think it's it's in the ballpark of 18 million. But that's for two years, isn't it? Let's be fair, Rob. Let's be fair. I ought to say, Rob, that as you know, Dave and I went to a party last week. Uh, the Today uh, programme's oh, yeah. 50th birthday Which party. we're going to be talking about. And John Humphreys, oh, are we? I was just mentioning John Humphreys made this terrific speech. And John Humphreys, you know, has a really narrow view of things sometimes. Mm. And uh, the tenor of this event was somewhat uh, uh, somewhat uh, manacled, wasn't it, by the, the, the recent um, uh, cuts that are announced. Right, cuts, cuts, yes, yes. In the BBC. And he told this absolutely fantastic story about how they've been told to get Jonathan Ross in. Fictional. Yeah. And they've been told to get Jonathan Ross in for a few tips on how to, how to interview. How do, how do you know, ask politicians about their sex lives yeah, and things yeah. like that? He said, what we did is we sat him down on a very deep sofa for about an hour, and when he got up, so we picked up the cushions, and all the loose chains had fallen out of Jonathan Ross's pockets, so we, we used, to, used it to pay for this party. We did, a, <laughs> we did another series, brilliant. just about. It's so. very funny. So, you know, £100,000 for, uh, for one TV programme. Mm. It's not bad, is Are it? you guys free that night? Uh, <laughs> I'd, do it, I'd do it for less than that. Would you? Yeah, I'd not do much it. Less. Not I'd much do less. I'd do it with 70 or 80 or something like that. I suppose the problem know. is, though, if you don't have Jonathan Ross doing back who are you going to get? <laughs> and is it going to feel like a big drop-off? Well, they used to have Stephen Fry, didn't they? They got rid of yeah. Stephen Fry and got... Jonathan Ross instead. Yeah. But I don't do know, who and... else could you get? That's a very good question. I talked to Stephen Fry. Uh, the Christmas adverts have just started on TV. I <laughs> am they? a bit alarmed. To... We're well, not alarmed, but maybe this is a bad thing. Stephen Fry is voicing the Argos adverts for Christmas. And you, I think that is a... Uh, substandard. Uh, it is substandard. Is it, I, have this, I, think, I don't think he needs the money. And I think Argos is just... Yeah, but uh, they want the it, Rob. I, I have this same on. debate with Andrew Harrison. You know? Only a few years ago. They oh, said that, that was the funny thing, wasn't it? It all started off when everybody was listening to a furniture warehouse, discount furniture warehouse ad. Mm. And then we all decided it was Stuart McConey. Oh, Do you yeah. remember? Oh, that's, right. Hear this? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and the readers were getting yeah. in touch, wordmagazine.co.uk, yeah. saying, that is Stuart McConey. Yeah. And I got in touch with Stuart. I said, come on, fess up, is that you? And he says, no, it honestly isn't me at yeah. all. Even though absolutely everybody, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. my mother thinks it's me. <laughs> and, and Andrew said, well, Stuart wouldn't have done it because it's kind of too low rent. 
I don't think that's the case no. at all. No, no disrespect to Stuart at all. If somebody comes along to you and says, as they do in the world of voiceovers, you know, and how much does Stephen Fry command? I, yeah, what, what are we talking about? 50 grand or something? Like, it I, would don't, be, I don't know. That's the problem. If somebody says if somebody 50, says grand, 50 grand, 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 I'm going to stay in bed, actually, and have a lie in. Then you're going to think, for every hour I lie in, I could <laughs> be making £25,000 or yeah. whatever. But it, it would be very hard to justify it. Argos or no Argos. More to the point, it, what, where's the brand tie-in between Stephen Fry and Argos? Mm. The... the where was the brand tie-in between Andy Kershaw and Spot Cream? I remember he did an ad. No, 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 but there is a brand tie. But there is a brand tie because Andy Kershaw was voice of youth. Andy Kershaw at the time, you know, could go show how long it was. But where Stephen, like you say, Stephen Fry and Argos. Stephen Fry works because everybody likes Stephen Fry, and it kind of sounds Christmassy, and it sounds slightly more upmarket than than they are, and so that's fine. But my my point is this. In the world of voiceover, people will do anything yeah, if they're given enough money. Yeah. Absolutely anything. Because it is money for old rope. It, is, it yeah. makes Jonathan and Ross's even... hundred grand yeah, for the no, yeah, 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 yeah. look like a year down a pit, yeah. doesn't it? Exhibit one, Orson Welles. Oh, absolutely. Well, my old mate, uh, Tommy Hibbert at, uh, at Q Magazine, his brother, Jimmy Hibbert, mm-hmm. once made a solo album called Heavy Duty. He was a member of Alberto's Elos Trios Paranoia, a guitar player. <laughs> and Jimmy Hibbert, Jimmy, yeah, exactly, yeah. Jimmy Hibbert used to make a living very successfully after he'd done Count Duckula by advertising uh, something called something called Prit Sticks. Do you remember Prit Sticks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he used to go to the studio once a week and go, "Hello, I'm a little Prit Stick," and then he'd be paid about eighteen thousand pounds. I can remember Tommy used to be extremely fed up. The old Tommy's yeah. bashing away on the old plastic piano, trying to write his article ten about word. yeah, ten few words about a major to be with Andy Partridge of XTC <laughs> yeah. and his brother was just trousering a massive Gregory Peck there's just no point end. getting cross about it you're right I know, I know. I'm, I'm getting cross I'm getting cross talking about it actually. No, let's change to, the subject have yeah. we talked about the Chinsano ad have no. we ever done the Chinsano ad should we tell can I story? start the story you can, and you can tell finish story. it Go on. many many years ago when Mark and I were doing the whistle test a voiceover agency got in touch with me at Smash Hits magazine. Mm. And we were sharing an office, weren't we? With, we had one phone in between and, us. And said, uh, I've been asked to get you in to do a test. No, what he said was, are you the guy who does the whistle test? No, went, yeah. no, 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 it's not. They asked can you tell the second half of the story? Oh, my God. Uh, and they said, we'd like you to do a test for a chin, a martini, was it martini? Martini, yeah, martini yeah, yeah. commercial. And I was the convinced it was Brian, Tom yeah. Corcoran, who was the director of Whistle Test, and well known for ringing up people and Cases, disguising yeah, his voice and yeah. winding people up. I said, you know, if this Tom Corcoran put you up to this, tell him to piss off. Yeah. I'm not doing it, whatever. And she just kept ringing me back. She said, look, I've been asked by the agency to get you in to yeah. do a test. And eventually I thought, okay, fine. So I sent him a tape of me talking. And then they came back to me and said... No, it's not you. Is it Mark Is there another guy? It's the story of my life. So over to Mark Ellis. No, no, because it was the martini ad. And I must admit, when Dave told me he was doing, he was doing a, a voiceover for a martini ad, I said to you, I said, this, this can't be right. Martini? What do you think? They've changed their entire brand positioning. They've moved the whole concept up north. <laughs> this is going to sound very stunning. I know. But I couldn't believe that they were going to have, you know, martini. You know, when you've had a hard day down the pit... You know what I mean? And you fed the greyhounds. There's nothing you like more than a slice of brown bread and a pint of warm martini. 
I've seen it. You know, to take your old flat cap off and never mind the drizzle. And Dave said, come on, Dan, you can be as you know, super silly about it as you want to, mate. And sure enough, when the phone rang, what they wanted was the guy with the posh accent from Hampshire. Yeah. So I went along. And the only good thing about this is they gave me this script, which I still have at home. It's called The Unexpected. It had five words on it. It said, Martini, the right one, the bright one. Is that right? I think it was. Uh, is that five words? Anyway, so they gave me this thing, and uh, I said, so is this the script? That is the script. And I had to read those words over and over again for, 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 for an entire minute. For an hour, rather. <laughs> and then watch it being dropped into a martini. Yeah, yeah. And that's the best bit. Over you're a girl in, diving oh, into it was a pool. It was exactly. You're yeah. in, this, in an entirely empty cinema, and there is a girl in a bikini diving off Not the really. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that that would be right. Into the water. Yeah. And ripples are spreading this uh, martini logo at the bottom of the pool. It's making it feel Then you hear your own voice going, Martini Bianca, <laughs> the right one. Or whatever it was. Yeah. Which I thought was better than, hey, oh, my name was going to Anyway, did you get the no, job? No, I didn't get the job. No, didn't get it. So are you maybe better That's off than I That's why I'm still no. here now. No, I'm not. <laughs> but anyway. Tragic. Who got the job? Uh, oh, from this, some chancellor like Anthony Hopkins. No, Hopkins. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. One of those usual. Tommy Vance. What the usual? Yeah. Uh, one of those. Larry yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, enough of voiceover. Has anybody followed on the site the return of the spam-generated country yes. compilation? Fantastic. There have been some very good ones, haven't there? There's been some very good ones. This is a game that absolutely anybody can play who regularly finds their inbox full of spam in the morning. So if you just take the name of the sender and you take the title line of the... Uh, of the piece of communication, you very often get something that sounds as if it should be on a country album. And so the first ones came in from Skirky here. He by by Deirdre Avery doing Maker Grin Chang, and uh, Guy Kenton keep her on it all night. Thelma uh, Harris doing She Is Alone Tonight too. Uh, and then Thelma uh, Harris. Thelma. Uh, other people came on with Jenny Poe, 80% of women are unhappy. Uh, Leland J. Farmer, <laughs> trust this wonder medicine. Give her a satisfying smile. All those, so oh, you know, you, you can you can try that, and uh, it's a way to it's it's a good uh, good way of reusing spam, isn't it? And mm. Just just add them on the website wordmagazine.co.uk. A magazine, a website, a podcast, the word. Have you seen the clip from the Fast Show with Amy Winehouse? No, I haven't seen this yet. I need to see. This it. is unbelievable. I never saw Richard Lowe sent this in. Is it definitely her? Well, he seems that. Yeah, oh, it's definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah we it have a piece about the fast show and the current yeah, issue. Yes. Word actually out on Thursday, uh, and there's a picture from that, a little grab from that. Oh, is it from oh, the yeah, actual the thing? Sorry, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm linked. Oh, right, oh, yeah. fine. Oh, yeah. okay, fine. Um, what's the name of that guy out the fast show? The one whose name nobody remembers. Simon Buckles. Simon Day. I love him. Yeah. Is that Simon Day? Yeah. Okay. The guy who plays competitive dad and so forth. Oh, okay. So, well, anyway, if you go look on the site, there's the famous competitive dad sketch. Where he goes along to watch his child taking part in a production of Midsummer's Night's Dream. And then starts barracking for the audience. This is rubbish. This is terrible. And then eventually climbs on stage. And anyway, the point is that the girl playing Titania is is a 14 year old Amy Winehouse sitting there, kind of looking puzzled. But it's an absolute comic gem. Leaps on stage and says, "This is no way to go about it. Unlock the space yeah, yeah. Oh, between brilliant. you and the audience." Oh, yeah. Starts talking, yes. you know, kind of remove the fourth wall. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then, it's in my and blood. Then, and then ends up swinging his leg across the back of the chair and doing "Life Is a Camera." 
Oh, that's so brilliant. I love that's him. great. The he, roar just, of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd. Just it's in my blood. Just looking at that guy makes me laugh. Yeah, in absolutely funny. anything. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, that's a, it's a really interesting piece, that. that I like the idea of uh, Amy Winehouse sitting around looking puzzled, because that would never happen anymore. Would <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, What's Amy Winehouse's favourite tube station, Dave? I don't know, Mark. What's, what is Amy Winehouse's <laughs> favourite tube station? Hi, Barnet. <laughs> <laughs> I hate y'all. I hate y'all. I'm here all week. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to... That's actually quite good. <laughs> it's quite good. What do you mean? My neighbour told me that. He was absolutely falling about. He was actually crying when he told me on Saturday. Actually, I was trying to cheer him up about his football she team. She comes from quite well. near there as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It fits in absolutely I every respect. Great. I thought it was going to be one of those. some complicated joke which, uh, about a, a, a giant prawn which ends with King Crustacean. But I thought it was going to be that one. But no, it was High Barnet. I can't remember what the actual joke was. Yeah, but that was the punchline. It was King Crustacean. Hilarious. Well, so other favourite thing, things from this current issue. I have to say, Rob, I loved your evening out with Steve LeMay. Oh, me too. Thank you very much. Uh, tell us about about your evening out with Steve Lamack and why we did this in the first place. Well, uh, it's from our uh, the the ever growing Prisoners of Rock series, where um, I, go, I I go to meet people who are literally prisoners of rock. <laughs> so, who was the first uh, one? Of course, the first one was Colin, Colin Larkin, who is an excellent excellent fellow. So, these are people. Hey, I mean, explain this idea because there may be people out there who reckon they are prisoners of rock. And well, roll. I want to hear from you if you're a prisoner of rock. Uh, well, they are. They're people whose love and devotion. To rock killer popular music has taken on um, has taken over right uh, a lot of their lives. They haven't given in. They haven't put their records away. They haven't sold the magazines on eBay. They don't they haven't stopped going out. Um, the, yeah, they still so they still do. You know, they're still basically nineteen. Right. So um, rock life takes up most of their life. life takes yeah, up, normal yeah. life takes up about ten yeah. percent. Normal life, hardly anything. Right. Uh, rock life, everything. So, um, yeah, Steve Lamack was uh, part two of the Prisoners of Rock, and he was uh, an excellent fellow. And he, what everyone knows about Steve Lamack, which is what I knew, is that, you know, it's cider crisps and gaspers. And it was indeed cider crisps and gaspers. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't let yeah. it down. No, 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 he wasn't, you know. That's what he, it says he, on the tin. Yeah, he, yeah exactly. He, uh, he plays to his strengths, still standing there in sort of tiny back rooms. But what I love about Steve Lamack is it's the support band. But he's oh, yeah. Yeah. Steve Lamack, as I'm yeah. sure people listening will know, you know, I first met him when he'd come off the enemy, he was working on Select magazine yeah. about fifteen years ago. And has been at Radio One and Radio Six music ever since, you know, doing exactly the same yeah, thing, yeah, which yeah, is wonderful. Yeah. yeah. And for him the most exciting thing is going to see the sport band. Really mm. by the time they get to be the headline band, he's sort of lost in his mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he what was that in group, the... Rob, that he'd seen about thirty times. That was Forward Russia. You've seen them 18 times in the last... Uh, and what is the key thing years? about Forward Russia? The key thing about Forward Russia is that they only name their songs after... Uh, with numbers. numbers. With, with numbers. So, song one. So if one, you go to two, a Forward Russia song, you go, you shout out, six! Yeah. We've already done that, mate. Yeah, yeah. Seven! Seven. All right, you asked yeah, yeah. me so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, and also, there's two people in the band whose job it is to shout. Oh, right, just shout? Yeah, just shout. But Lamarck has seen this group about 30 times. 18 times. 18 times, sorry, in the last few years. As Rob said in his piece, more times Rob's seen his own mother, his own (laughs) dear mum. Yes. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I was was reminded of this when I was was listening to David Pleat, the former Tottenham manager and, you know, BBC... Football pundit mm. nowadays, and David Fleet would be in his sixties. I would have thought, mm. and he was he was on there the other night, and he was talking about some players. He says, 
Yeah, I saw him the other night when I went to see Doncaster Rovers Reserves. <laughs> and, and like the guy yeah, he was yeah. with said, I thought I went to football. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But there yeah. are guys oh, like yeah. David yeah, yeah. Lee yeah. who every available mm. minute are on some windswept touchline somewhere. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I suppose Steve Lamax oh, no, is very of, much so. I mean, is the rock get, and roll equivalent he, of that. He gets up in the morning and he ploughs through MySpace looking for demos and listening to demos and listens to all his mail, uh, does his show, goes straight out to gigs, sees the bands, comes back, listens to some more music, goes to bed, gets up, does it again. And he says, and fair foot, you know, he says it's, it's his calling. He, feel, he, he says uh, that he feels responsible for these bands. And they've made, they've, they've, they've made the, it's the most uncynical thing anyone's ever said to me in their Precisely life. Precisely what John Peel is that, Yeah, exactly. He says they've made the effort to write the songs, record them, do the gigs, and he feels like it's his responsibility to go and check them out. Which is quite but you see, I think there is a logic in that because I can understand how addictive it would oh, be yeah, to see support yeah. bands. When you yeah. see a support band, and I think of all the groups I saw, whether a support yeah. band went on to be headlines. Yeah. In fact, although they might not have been as good, yeah. if you want, if your entry point is this kind of raw, nervous, yeah. beseeching energy of wanting yeah. people to like you, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, they're yeah. probably going to throw far more into their performance, fourth yeah. on the bill at. Uh, yeah. You know, um, the, the Wawa hut in Glasgow or yeah. something, King Tut's, than King they Tut, are, yeah. you know, a headlining Reading Festival. Yeah. You know, it's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. I can understand that'd be very attractive. I always hate that feeling of responsibility on the rare occasions when I ever get involved with anybody mm. on the way up. And, yeah. and they say, What did you think? And you go, Oh, it's really good. Yeah. And then the next question is, What can you do to help me? <laughs> you know, yeah. because. I it, can play drums. It must be like offering to, you know, make tea for all the neighbourhood's children, mustn't it? You know, they're yeah. just gonna they're just gonna keep coming round, no, aren't no, they? And to. most of them are not going to make it. No, and most of them in the, yeah, most of them just and most, are gonna be very good. And most of them, presumably the ones who don't make it, will haunt the Steve Lamax or John Peels or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely forever, yeah. mustn't they? Yeah, like we've made our seventh album. It's on an independent label in Scotland. You mean stalk rather than well, <laughs> you know, because that's the great irony. Yeah. The ones who make it will never want to speak to him again. Yeah, and the ones who don't make it will never be off the phone. Yeah, which is what happened to Peel. Which is what happened because Peel, I think, was in a bizarre position at the end. Because I remember interviewing him about two years before he died. He was talking about his sixtieth birthday, which I think had happened about two years before that. And he was in that sort of period where, you know, the Mark Bolans and the Rod Stewarts had deserted him mm. and the recent equivalents too had gone on being successful. And the ones that he promoted were just so overpowered by being asked for his 60th birthday party that they didn't, a lot of them didn't turn up. <laughs> he was a bit disappointed. He genuinely wanted them to come. Yeah. You know, Helen and the Horns, why weren't they there? Helping to slice and spread and, you know, dish around some free beers and things. Mm. And, you know, so he was, um, yeah, caught between two stools. So mm. at, the, at the other end of the spectrum from Steve Lamack, who gets up in the morning and listens to and goes searching on MySpace and finds no end of time to listen to stuff, there's an interesting thread on the site at the moment uh, started by a guy called Dodger, uh, who's just talking about <laughs> when, when, do you, the <laughs> when do you find time yeah, to Dodger. listen to records? And he's yeah. now, in order to recapture what he thinks, you know, the golden years when he was 17 and, mm. and he'd listened to a record and he knew absolutely every mm. pop and crackle and lyric and so forth, he's now rationing himself. So he buys one new album and one classic album a month and that's all he's allowed. Well, so he's trying to he's trying to just get that concentration. He, yeah, back. but does he just listen to that? Oh yeah, no, presumably he listens. He, li- he, no, he listens to other stuff as my, well. My brother went through. I think he's I think he's abandoned it. But my brother went through a, a, a method of listening to music by decade, 
<laughs> one, one month, he'd only listen to things from the 1940s. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Month, for a month? Was, uh, yeah, for a month. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's and then the next month, thing. it was only the 1950s. And I think his wife made him stop. <laughs> Why did Can we leave the 30s? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How strict was he then? He so, was really strict on it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. if somebody says, great news, Radiohead have just produced a masterpiece album. He literally leave. didn't know it was coming out. He'd have to leave until next April. Couldn't have listened because, to April. No, but it's a, fair point. it's a fair point, because it'll still be there. It'll yeah, still be there. Yeah. And how excited will he be when he finds out? Well, that's fine. His thinking was that, you know, he wanted to see if he could chart the movements, the way that popular music developed by kind of a... Listening across the deck. Now that's a, that's a <laughs> good thing. There's uh, somebody else here, Stephen, who says that he only allows himself four CDs in the car and won't change right. them at all. Won't change them ever. Well, no, they, oh, presumably gives them a month they... or something yeah. like that. You know, because I very often find myself there's four or five CDs in the car. I think I don't feel like any of those. I know. And so I just yeah. don't play but them. That, I think that's again that's slightly the um, it's it's. I think we we do have to accept we're in a slightly different position where yeah. you, you do get affected by and the idea of having having two albums in an entire month. I'm thinking I can't even imagine what. That <laughs> but isn't trying to own two albums in an entire day would be ludicrous. What to only hear two? But isn't half the problem just CD fatigue? Oh, my yeah, problem yeah, is yeah. even my favourite record. I get about. I just don't want to hear yeah, forty I, minutes. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. the same person. I know. I'm so used now to hearing just yeah. a, a great diversity yeah. of stuff. So that Bob Dylan thing, I'm not here. The double album, which is the soundtrack from the uh, new movie, in which a load of different actors all play Bob K- Dylan, K- yeah, yeah. and yeah. they've got uh, you know, so it's about, it's about thirty tracks, mm. and it's loads of kind of interesting people doing you know, so it's got Mark Lanigan doing yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah. what yeah. all on the Watchtower and all yeah. this, and I took it. And I had to go and drive somewhere last night, and I took it in the car, I thought, and I came back, and it's still unplayed because I just sort of thought. Half the point of this is just reading the sleeve notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I flicked through it on the office. In the office, we listened to four tracks. Yeah. I thought oh, that's quite interesting. That's terrible. That's good. Yeah. And and now I feel I've right. done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Do I really about... want? If I was going to devote that amount of my time mm. to listening to Bob Dylan, I would go tracks. and listen to Bob. Dylan. I know. I know. The most, the most yeah. interesting thing about it is who has covered what, really, isn't it? Yeah. Once you've seen it on a piece of paper, yes. Yeah, so sort of imagine how Mark Lanigan might sound actually. Yeah. Doing, uh, and also, even that, then you might uh, from those thirty tracks, you might go, well, where's the three interesting? ones and then you put the three interesting ones on and you'll listen to the first ten seconds of them to see how interesting that is and then you've sort of heard it all really haven't you? You kind of know you're not you might if it's four and a half minutes long, you're probably not gonna listen to four and a half minutes. <laughs> uh, sorry everyone. No it is but, true. Uh, you know. it, it is true because yeah. you know the, the greatest the most difficult commodity is our attention span. Well, you know what it? in uh, anything. Uh, we're talking about our great mate Colin Larkin uh, from the first prison of rock the Encyclopedia of Rock and Rock what he did was between 1967 and 1973, he didn't have a TV. Ah, oh, well, that's he, a good uh, And so he, all he did was say, he's coming from work every night and with, you know, a new you know, new album or whatever, two new albums, and just they would just only go to gigs or listen to LPs. That was it. Well, you see, I was, I was actually, you know, probably similar age to Colin, mm. you know, and uh, between that period, I either didn't have a television, mm. or let me remind you, there were only two channels, yeah. and there was nothing on. You, no. didn't, so you didn't watch it, yeah. even if you had it, yeah. you know. And so, though it was the main focus, yeah. you used to come home from, you know, college or whatever, or work, mm. and the first thing you would reach for is the record player, mm. and that thirty or forty records that you owned. Yeah. And my my flatmate Stuart used to come in, and he used to put on 
ZZ Top Tres Hombres. Oh, good album. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The first yeah. two tracks, is it, is it La That's Grande? That's party stars. That's a great... Yeah. Play it. It was party time. Yeah. 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 Old, oh, yeah. <laughs> old valve amplifier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. LaGrange. And, and suddenly, and, and Lagrange would start, oh, or whatever LaGrange. it was, and uh, yeah. and the sound of yeah. Wood Green High Road would yeah. just disappear <laughs> into yeah. the yeah. background, and you were in Texas. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he, the sound used to just occupy the whole flat. Yeah. The flat was moving from side to side. Yeah. You know, as the entire place just focused on this, and it was like. I've never forgotten it. It was like he was getting work out of his system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But there was kind of accumulated but, but rage record. during the day, or inertia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or well, boredom, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know. What was he working as at this point? He was working as a clerk, and if he is listening, I'm sure he won't mind me saying it, he was working as a clerk at the Medical Research Council, as a clerk... You know, so he wasn't mm. doing. You need you know, to get this out of your system. Don't you? <laughs> you need a bit of ZZ. He wasn't doing stem up. cell research. No. You know, no, no. he was doing payment records or whatever, yeah. and it was as boring as anything could yeah. possibly be. So and immensely formal. Yeah. And this, this in the days before computers. Yeah, and all, yeah. You know, and and things like that do discharge a certain amount of energy nowadays, mm. don't they? You know, the working environment was incredibly controlled mm. and grey, and so you would come home, and this was your only way into. Mm. This other world. Yeah. I'm going totally to disappear into Texas. But I always remember when you live with a load of people in a house or whatever, there would always be one record exactly that would yeah. unlock that door. And I remember in about 1974, I think, I was living with a load of people, the favourite record, and this is a terrible record. I'm not going to try and defend it, but it was Who's That Lady by the Isley Brothers. That's not a terrible record. No, there's no such thing as a terrible Isley Brothers record. And we thought that Ernie Isley, when we finally got to see a picture of him, and the picture of him, unless I'm completely mistaken, he was wearing a pink. Flared from you know those that's trumpet that's sleeves, right yeah. <laughs> trumpet <laughs> sleeve and massive pair of Lionel Blairs, yeah. all pink, yeah, yeah. right? And he plays the electric guitar, yeah. and we used to get. Was he back. wearing? Did, wasn't it? Wasn't it? I think it might have been a fedora, actually, <laughs> and a very hairy chest. And yeah. we used to get onto the armrests of the chairs in the in the sitting room there. Knock down a can of Stella or whatever, and leap up and down. I can remember one guy punching a hole in the ceiling in his yeah. excitement. When and it remained there for about eighteen months. Yeah. This hole in the ceiling. We go. We always look at it and go. We don't have to repair that because God bless Ernie. Ernie that. That's a good thread, actually. If anybody's got yeah, it, you know, records you used to play in a flat. Yeah. You know what I mean? That you all share. That everybody likes. That everybody you know. likes. Everyone understands. And things you used to do to them. I've Thomas to tell the story before about yours is no disgrace by yes. Well, he used to do the Cosmo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> those, those who are old enough or sad enough will know that the, the key riff of Yours Is No Disgrace is... Da, 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 you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> instead of having a huge, great lighting display, yeah. uh, I used to go and stand there and turn the light on and off in the room, perfectly synchronised. Eventually, you become totally destabilised. Right, yeah. Wow. Your sensory overload. Oh, God. So if you've got any of those, uh, do, do let us know. <laughs> oh, yes, further to last week's podcast, we were talking about the boy who's on the cover of the U2 oh, album. Yeah. And you were saying you thought he worked in a cycle shop or whatever. Was, am I he's, right? He's now a photographer. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like anybody who ever had anything to do with rock and roll on any level yeah. can't ever go oh, off right. no, a no, proper no, job no, ever yeah. again, yeah. you know. He's a photographer. He's called uh, he's called Pete 
Peter uh, Peter Rowan. That's right, Peter he Rowan. Was the, he was the brother of Googie. Googie, Googie uh, brother. Out of, the, out of the Virgin Prince. He's and a very good photographer as well. He has a website. He does have a website. He has a website. He, he has a website. <laughs> Matt, Matt, do you know anybody else who has a website? <laughs> Are they automatically brilliant and everything <laughs> they do? I had a very well, I'm sorry to, to discredit him by saying he works in a cycle shop. No. The man, yeah. I had a very, he works in a cycle shop. We probably have a website about that as well. So that is true. Yeah. I had a very amusing conversation the other day with uh, John Webster, who who's, uh, runs the Music Managers Forum. And John Webbo. Webster, yeah, John no, Webster well. or Webbo. Who's a, an old, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us describing as an old music business, business hand and used to run Virgin Records and so forth. He's saying that some of these managers, uh, you know, are rather naive about the internet, you mm. know, particularly some of the older ones. And he'll ring them up and say, how's it going? And they go, oh, great, great. <laughs> Why? He says, we've got a MySpace page. Because <laughs> <laughs> really? they've all kind of heard about Kate Nash and the yeah, Arctic yeah, Monkeys. Yeah. yeah, get a MySpace page. Yeah. You get a number one record. Yeah. Isn't that Automatically. The, way it yeah. the novelty will never wear it's off. It's not quite as simple as that. The word. Uh, meatloaf. Have we followed the stories about Meatloaf and his on-off giggery over the last few days? A little bit, yeah. He's having a sort of a breakdown, isn't he? Well, apparently. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, although, allegedly. What's allegedly. Apparently it can all be traced back to a certain visit from a rock hack. Something yeah. like <laughs> oh, man. That's the one of our podcasts. Dear old boy. Anyway, he keeps cancelling gigs. And uh, and the current announcement is the old, our old favourite acute laryngitis. Oh, yeah. Um, like a summer cold. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> it forced him to cancel. Where was he playing last night, Matt? I can't remember. Uh, it, 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 curtailed it, his gig, it curtailed his gig in Newcastle and forced the cancellation of one at the NEC in Birmingham. But the story is in Newcastle that he was he, he made some statement to the he effect... Had a, he had an on-stage wobbly, according to mm. the, the Times Online and also the people who posted... Who'd been at the gig. ...on the story on mm. the Times Online who'd been at the gig. He said, "This is the last song I'm going to sing ever, <laughs> ever in right. my career." Yeah. I was helped off the stage by members of the St John's Ambulance, well, and it is, this is now being part, this yeah. is now <laughs> being spun. He hasn't turned his toes up, has he? No, no, no. But he wasn't but, carried out feet first. No, but, but no. the brilliant thing is that, that as, as David sent me the link to, to his official management site, and his management site is saying <laughs> nothing to see here. Move along. No. <laughs> what he actually said was. This is the last song for tonight. For tonight. Yeah. No, he said, yeah. oh, no, he said this is the last song. I'm, no, no, they say this is the last song he would do in this venue this year. And I'm going to bring on some friends of mine dressed in fancy dress as members but, of the but, St. John's Evans. The, the problem is that a couple of people posting on the Times Online site have said, well, that's tosh and nonsense because we've actually got him on our mobile phone saying, this is the last yeah. song I'm ever going to sing. Where should I post it? So, that's quite so I'm sure we all wish him well, but, uh, you know, but not, he I hope he doesn't get better before I get time to get a little bit more um, mileage out of my, my headline I'm very proud of on the site over the story, which is meat on the ledge. Question oh, yeah. mark. oh, that's good. Uh, that's a good one. It's very good one, like isn't that. it? I'd like to give myself 10 out of 10 for that. But I have to say I was amazed at this happening to meat. Yeah. Because we know meat, don't we? Yeah, he's sturdily constructed. Meat is absolutely... No, seriously, because he was kind of, he was a Broadway, you know, musical performer, he was wasn't he? He's a hooper. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's a chorus line. Absolute uh, old school, this yeah. meatloaf. He's not the kind of person to get a, 
you know, he's not kind of, he's not such John Stevens, is he? Or, you know, <laughs> oh, no, mind, he's such a Vendra Bandhart. He's not going to have an attack of the vapours, is I don't he? Think, <laughs> I don't think have so. to go and have a lie down yeah. with a lily. No, that's right. You know? With cucumber um, on his so forehead or something. I just, I just felt, he, 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 people just, I suppose there's so much work around live nowadays. Mm. It people gets must you. do so it much. You. Yeah. Did you read this stat, sorry, before we go any further on this? On the number of nights away an England, a top England cricketer spends a year, 252. Blimey. That's a hell of a you know, That uh, makes rock and rollers look are like... Gonna, are you going to say suicide in cricketers? There's a really high incidence. So there was, there suicide in cricketers? Is yeah. it? Oh, so God, First yeah. class cricketers are one of the worst professions you could possibly be in if really? you're... Suicide. Somebody's written a book about it. Somebody's written a book about suicide amongst cricket. You know, uh, it's a talking to Meatloaf. It was actually Meatloaf who strangely made me not want to be in a pop group anymore. Because I used to be in a pop group, and I was doing. I was. What was the name of your pop group? They were called Ronnie and Clyde, and it was a duo. (laughs) Electronic duo. I was actually Clyde, but I was on tour. Uh, We were on tour. We were in Germany, and we'd been in We'd been on tour for about two and a half weeks, and we were in some small German town. And uh, it was like, oh God, you know. Donner and Blitzen. It was Donner and Blitzen. And we were watching, yeah, we were watching telly before going out. See, in the, lying in the hotel watching telly before going out to do the gig. And it was a Saturday night, and uh, Meatloaf was on the local TV station or some sort of German TV station. It was like a kind of surprise, surprise sort of TV show. And he came on and he did his, you know, his new single and belted through it with the band and all that. And it was like, okay. And then the presenter woman came on and went, oh, Meatloaf, uh, thank you very much. We love your old stuff. As if to say that was rubbish, but 30 <laughs> years ago you made something good. And I just, I just had a real, it was one of those real moments of life realisation where I thought, even if you've sold as many records as Meatloaf, you're still going to have to go and do German TV forever. And I think at that point, the magic of the whole thing... Is that what made you give up? Yeah, well, no, the idea that give up. Ronnie it made me, Clyde... It made me think that uh, maybe there was other things I might prefer to do rather than... So Ronnie and Clyde could have sold multi-million quantities of uh, platinum quantities yeah, of records, and you'd still be worried about the fact that you come off stage and go you, do some You can't yeah. change. I mean, it's very enviable in lots of ways, and it's certainly very addictive. But it sort of doesn't change, does it? No, if you go, no. be a, a gigging musician, you're a gigging musician yeah, forever. I think you have to. I think you know, you have to really if you, love it, you know. if you, if you start in a company or something, mm. you eventually become the chairman yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Your life is not like yeah, you it don't was. Have to go there, yeah, yeah. When you were when you were doing whatever you were doing, you know, mm. ten years earlier. Yeah. Whereas for Mick Jagger, it's largely the same. Yeah. Now I can understand you can like it, yeah. but you must also get bored with it. Yeah, I think you do have to, you have to really love. I mean, that thing you said about cricketers, you know, I can really imagine. I think you have to really love. Being away and being away from but cricketers only do it for 10 15 years, yeah. Yeah, it's you true. know, yeah. if, if you're, you're, a, yeah, if you're Robert Plant, you've been yeah. doing it for a hell of a long time. I was looking at, I was looking at uh, John Martin's sites mm. on the web recently, and there, there's a man who literally all of his life and you know, it has taken its toll on him. The yeah. Oh, god, I'm not kidding. Oh, yeah, he's not got his full complement of bits anymore. No, 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 no. But he's still out there. Yeah. He's still doing what else is he going to do? Yeah, precisely. Yeah. 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 I think how much, you know, and he was saying himself actually when we did something recently, how how physically difficult it is to actually do this stuff and actually get on there and do it and play and get off and get in and out and get transport and all that kind of thing. I mean, every single day is a complete hassle. But what else are you going to do? Well, it's, that's one of the points that there's a big piece in this this current issue of, the of story, work, yeah. uh, which mm. is about playing live, yeah. performing live, and it's one thing quite a few people say, mm. uh, and I'm sure it's true that people. Charlie Watts says it. I think, yeah. mm. People just underestimate what it takes out of you yeah. physically. Mm. 
And, you know, this yeah. is, it's hard to do, you know, you're in a big space. And if you're right, you know, if you're, if you're Charlie Watts, you're banging away at the drums and yeah. all this kind of thing. It's, it, it's draining. And mm. these are guys in their 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah. and it cannot be easy. I, I was very taken by that feature. Mm. I was very taken by all sorts of odd little things like Richard Thompson saying that he, he kind of adopted a persona on stage that wasn't entirely him. Yeah. It was a faintly stroppier version of his own yeah. self. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he says, you just have to do this to kind of establish yourself as you're in charge. Yeah. You know, he says, I'm actually a very mild-mannered chap, and he is, you know, very quiet and very shy. But to go on stage, I just have to click up a few yeah. gears and, it, and, I thought it was, and, and get this, mm. and it also get, helps get it out of himself, yeah. Yeah. you know. I thought they were very, very interesting. Those are the reflections on, on the how it works. There's lovely bits. There's one way I was because Charlie talks about being too. We read the one where he's, he's too drunk to play, and he's, yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, it was 1980. He's obviously still quite regretful about it. He plays at the end of a pier somewhere in Brighton. Or yeah, something, yeah. Uh, at the, the point where the you know the attractions were pretty uh, well refreshed, I think, when they went on the stage, and how he can't remember the ne- the words to Alison. Which is a major crime because I think it was a major hit at the time, yeah. and he's led off the stage <laughs> too drunk to play. <laughs> but there were so many good points. I just got to make one. There's an interview with Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. He's a very bright, very original thinker, I think. And uh, he's talking about this whole idea of spontaneity. And he's asked what the secret of live performance is. This isn't a big gag thing. It's just mm. a really good point. And he says, "Well, really, it's a lot of it's about rehearsal because you know to stop being nervous, you need to know roughly what's going to happen. Yeah. And once you know roughly what's going to happen, you can improvise off that." But he said, I think the whole notion of rock and roll being spontaneous is a myth. Mm. And the spontaneity, the raw kind of combustion of rock and roll, a lot of the time is incredibly rehearsed. You mm. know, the point that even Jimi Hendrix, for his, I mean, if you think about it, it wasn't very spontaneous. No. Oh, I'm going to set my... Um, oh, no, no. oh, that's very lucky. of lighter fuel here and some strong festers. Thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just feel like doing this. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, they'd, they'd thought about these things in an incredible amount of detail. And the, uh, only, uh, the only act in there, who, who, the guy who's interviewed in there, who I do think are and were genuinely spontaneous and don't have the credit for it, we'll Crowded House. Oh, Crowded House. Mm. Oh, because right. Crowded House, I've seen Paul Hester take his clothes off on stage mm. and go into the audience. Don't tell me <laughs> that the rest of the band were expecting him to do mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen absolutely bizarre things take place. Why did he take guys, his clothes off? Go so, you know, they just go into madness with members of the audience, people coming up, doing stuff, and they were doing stuff they weren't expecting, and they would live with it, and they would play off yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's a very kind of Australian, <laughs> New Zealand thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it's not British and yeah. it's not American. You yeah. know, they're all used to those guys playing in crowded pubs, yeah. full of raging drunks, yeah. where you yeah. go along with what the audience wants. Oh, they're real. And I do think they, they've always been terribly, terribly good at that kind mm. of thing. There's a lovely bit in the interview with Neil Finn, actually, he talks about what it's like playing in Scotland if you're a New Zealander. And he says, you know, people shout, anything you want to hear, and they all shout out the name of something. Can't understand. Sorry, <laughs> because somehow New Zealanders cannot decipher a Scottish mm. accent. Yeah. You know, there's no reason why they should. Yeah. That Alan Partridge, the yeah. end of the world, the other there from the bottom. It's of the world. just annoying. It's just it's Alan Partridge. <laughs> just just annoying. No, didn't get that. <laughs> okay, we have now re- <laughs> we, we've reached the point in the podcast where it's traditional for one of us to come up with a hoary old rock anecdote. But this week, Mark, oh right, got a departure because we got we got a listener contributed one. We do indeed. This is from Philip Breyer, who's uh, sent in an email. This is a very funny story, I see. And it's, it's about... Polishing glasses. Yeah, I, pol- <laughs> I literally am polishing my glasses. <laughs> I'm polishing my glasses and putting them on the end of my nose. And uh, another large martini. 
And none of those terrific lardy dars. I've just stumped out the last one. Anyway, there's a story about Jeff Beck. He says, being invited to one of Rod Stewart's solo tours. Jeff Beck accepted the offer, and veteran publicist Keith Olsen, who I remember, don't you, Dave? Yes, I saw him earlier the other week. Yeah, bet this, him. This is off the back mark of what would have happened if... Um, if uh, oh, yeah, what would have happened? happened? Oh, counterfactual. Counterfactual. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he said on. if the Jeff yeah. Beck group had played Woodstock. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah of course yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah, I've forgotten yeah. that. That's yeah. what sparked it. Mm. But anyway, he said, uh, he said he accepted the offer to go and play with Rod Stewart. And uh, Altham had bet him a cynical £100 that he wouldn't stay the 50-show distance. <laughs> Due to the <laughs> difficulty... see who's going to win this. Got it getting Seven on gigs in, comma. Altham arrives in Philadelphia and he heads backstage. This is so brilliantly observable. He said, Rod's dressing room is fully carpeted, bedecked with flowers, optics, long tables, bowed under the weight of food and I like champagne. Optics. Bowed. <laughs> oh, optics is brilliant. Yeah. There's a dwarf bending I over I bet it was optics, actually. Because Rod liked to feel that he was in a pub, didn't yeah. he? Yes, you know? But yes. anyway, there's just, you know, crossing tables, piano, groaning with dart the weight board. of dartboard, probably. Thousands of incredibly attractive women, mm. you know, just basically offering free drinks. So next door was the band's dressing room. Not quite as many optics, <laughs> a little basic, and certainly no flowers. He said, uh, the door labelled support band opened to reveal a bottle of scotch and a few beers. <laughs> Further down, this is getting on with it. <laughs> Further down, the corridor dimming slightly. So <laughs> Jeff Beck's name appeared on a cupboard door. <laughs> it's an airy cupboard. And he creaked open the door of said cupboard. Inside, he found six cans of beer floating in a dustbin <laughs> full of ice and the ace axeman curled up in the corner. I'll write you a cheque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant idea. Literally banged it right. How can you defend this? I've lost. You know? <laughs> so that's Philip Bryars. He sent that in on, Very uh, funny. on, on the Facebook um on, on Facebook, on the uh, how do I describe it? Our Facebook our Facebook group page. Yeah. Do go and join it. Um, I think that's about it for uh, for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for being here, Rob. Thank you very much for asking. Thanks me. for being here, Matt. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, David. Please ask me again. Uh, but this is probably the last time that we'll be played out to the strains of your ukulele. Oh, we'll be hearing it again. Take it away, Mark. Take it away, Mark. Just take it, please. Yes, just, yeah. just take it take away. Take my mother-in-law now, please. Go on, take it. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 